Welcome to Craggy Island Rugby, the Leinster home edition. We normally do this preview bit about 10 minutes before kickoff, but this is a bit of a special one, isn't it, William? Yeah, it certainly is. Full sports ground due, sold out, signs up people outside, looking for tickets, begging for tickets in the local hostelries. Uh, massive game. Top of the table clash. Connacht on top of the table against probably one of their bitterest enemies, I think. Um, it's a typical sports ground evening here. It's uh, windy, it's wet, it's cold. It's the end of March, which proves you can get any weather in Galway at any time. It certainly is. I even have Lindley and Rob here. That's how that's how excited we all are. Yeah, I'm sure it's ages before kickoff. We're like an hour and 20 hour minutes. You probably said that already. Yeah, okay. Well, hello. Hello. My dad's got a ticket, I think, at the last minute. That's how tough it was to get a ticket. I couldn't get one for my dad. And he was Martin back in 2003, as my brother reminded me a bit earlier. But anyways, he's in. That's good. That's good news. Lindley, your thoughts? Yeah, damn and blast this weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say. After the beautiful week that we've had. And as for tickets, I know one year... Young, very happy young man in Ugdarad who's a local bar, works in a local bar, who got a couple of tickets for him and his dad from John Muldoon. Nice. And he plays for Weegans. Nice. Oh, I just see Pat Lamb nice. going in for the pre-match chat there. He has no Jake Heenan because we've just seen him limping on crutches. Not limping, that wouldn't be right. He's on crutches. Uh, so his leg's in a cast. That's a worry, big worry. We don't even know what the back row's comprised of. You'll talk about that later. I'm predicting a conic win. I'm going against win, William. Lindley. Win, lose, draw. Oh, I'm very... I'm very positive that Connacht can win this. I'm also very positive that Leinster, or negative that Leinster could do the same thing. I would like to, I would like to think that Connacht's home record um, in front, uh, their home crowd, that they will rise to the occasion and I'm going to back a Connacht win. <laughs> and of course, William. Well... Heart says Connacht, head says Leinster, I'm afraid. Ooh. I'd be similar to the same. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a good opinion to have. I have Connacht by two, and I'm going to stick with it. And we'll talk again just before kickoff. It's 45 minutes before kickoff. The main stand looks almost full. The clan stand is at least 60% full. There's people standing in behind both sets of goals. This is incredible. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely jammed, Alan. It's a phenomenal atmosphere. Everybody's really into the game today. It's all about what's going to happen, what do you think, who's this, who's that. Oh, Jake Heenan's out. It's a real, just a really big atmosphere for what is a really big game. It certainly is. We'll, we'll talk again just before kickoff. Okay, William, 10 minutes before kickoff. The place is jammed. It's, the excitement is just unbelievable now. Oh, this is incredible, Alan. It's absolutely buzzing. The noise, the place is packed. We've had everything. We've had a rainstorm and a wind is howling. This is going to be some night here at the sports ground. It's had a bit of everything so far. Let's make sure it's a great game too. Okay, William, 19 minutes. Uh, it's a scrum to Connacht. The scrum is going particularly well, and, and we're winning 7 0. 
Yeah, probably slightly against their own play. I think uh, first 10 minutes, Connick were almost a little bit shocked by the pace. It's, it's very hard rugby. It's very tough. There's some huge hits going in here. But they've settled down now. They've got their pattern moving. The try was a kick ahead and just fell lovely from Armian. Good conversion from Aj McGinty. So um, we're in business. Uh, Nathan White gone off is a big loss. It's just hard rugby. We, I mean, we're at 19 minutes 15 on the clock. I reckon that's about 14 minutes of play time. The referee has stopped the clock three or four times, including once to hand out a very long lecture about uh, some off-the-ball misdemeanours, but uh, it's settling down now. OK, half-time, 7-0 to Connacht. This is uh, going to be really tight. It's an absolute dogfight, Alan. Um, Leinster almost playing for half-time there because of the wind. The only issue possibly is that the wind is dropping a little bit. Very hard physical game. A lot of errors on both sides. It's hard to call at the moment. You'd feel that seven points isn't enough, but they're doing all right. They just need to maybe move the ball down into the Leinster half, play a bit more rugby down there. John Muldoon in long conversation with Nigel Owen on the way off. It's been going on now for about a minute, and Nigel is paying very, very little attention, I'd have to say. Indeed, yeah, they're, they're still talking. They talk most of the way across the pitch. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have some good stuff to talk about on 60 Minutes. OK, William, it's 60 minutes and Leinster are starting to unload the bench. It's seven points to three. It's going to be a tight finish. Oh, it's very tough. Uh, Connacht have had the ball there for three minutes. I'd say they went through 20 phases and they lost about 12 yards. It's just going over and back the pitch. It's almost impossible to kick with the wind, so when you're playing into it, but the bench now starting to empty, 7-3. It's going to be a tough ask from here. They, we, we had a chance down in the corner there off a line-out and we made a ball of it, and that's good. You know, that could have been the game. It's that tight. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we're going to win it. We had our chance and we didn't take it. Um, and you look at that, look at the quality that they're coming on. It's going to be a, a pretty tight last 20 minutes. Okay, William, 69 minutes, 34 seconds. It's a one-point game. Connick still leads 7-6, but it's absolutely brilliant. That's fantastic effort by Connick here. I mean, they're, they're actually now taking the game back to Leinster, who uh, had a period of dominance. It's so tight. We just have to keep going. I, I, I don't think you can really call this now. It's, it's going to come down maybe to an error somewhere along the line. But we're in there half. We're playing the game where we want to play it. And it's just a matter of now keeping going and getting a score here. Yeah, it's great stuff. Fantastic match. Seventy-eight minutes. Scrum to Leinster, five metres out. It's just gone down. They're losing by a point. Can Connacht hold out? Yeah. 
Okay, William. 7-6, the final score. Unbelievable. That's just an amazing game, an amazing performance by Connacht. I'm so proud of them tonight. They, um, I don't really know how they won that game other than through sheer guts and determination. They were put up to it. Leinster emptied their international bench. They just made tackles and made tackles. And as I've come in here for 42 years, and I don't think I've ever seen a die on your shields performance like that by Connacht, and I've seen some good ones. That was a stunning performance. Uh, it shows we belong at this position in the league. We have grown into it, and the rest of this season is, is only to be enjoyed. Oh, yes, and now we're going to enjoy tonight. <laughs> we'll talk to you in a little while. <laughs> I'm paid for my opinions. Which bit of that sentence is wrong? <laughs> and that is the start of the any, uh, the any Other Business in the podcast? That quickly? No, it's the start of the post-game podcast chat. Another win. Connacht win, 7-6. I was just saying, never in doubt, Alan. No, no. Well, Michael Corkin was just saying that. He was, but we can't, we can't have him on the podcast. We want to get him into trouble in RTE now. No. A well-known correspondent on rugby who may or may not work for a national broadcaster in radio, who happens to be a rugby correspondent, said. They'll be edited out, don't worry, Michael. can't be in trouble for that. I've never heard him on there. Lindley, can you ground this podcast in some sanity? What a win. That's becoming my phrase. Never in doubt. It was so much in doubt, I gave it a 98% chance of a Leinster win when that second scrum was being... Well, not 98, but I was kind of... if you had well, yeah, 80-20 yeah. at least. I think I was more concerned around turning around at half-time. Yeah. Were you that... Yeah. I, no, I, I wasn't. Uh, I mean, I was more concerned with... Um, but I think within about 10 minutes, Connacht had just kept the ball in hand and just were... I, I thought they were actually amazing in the, better in the second half playing with the ball in hand than they were in the first half there were so many knock-ons in the first half yeah. quite uncharacteristic um, but in the second half I thought they just you know they just dug in and they kept the ball and I thought they were absolutely amazing playing with huge spirit and you know at the end of the day and skill and, and, skill, and at the end of the day all Leinster did in that second half was play four minutes in the Connacht half, oh, that's all, and they certainly did not deserve to get a try no. from it. No, so no, I think no. at the end of the day, it was it was a fair a, a fair reward for a really gutsy, hard effort. We said in the commentary, Joe said that Connacht had mo- most, if not all, of the ambition. They certainly did. I have to say, I was I only started getting worried when we didn't convert the line out. The, the five minutes. Well, the second one, either one of them, either of them, like certainly the second one after Robbie had come on and we sort of heat up the pace and he'd given us a whole new spark and we were really flying. I thought, now we score here, this, there's no way they're coming back because there was no way they were going to score a try, but they could have dropped a goal. Well, I'm just thankful that, that you know, my, my belief that uh, the, the Leinster and were 10 tonight, I don't believe is number 10 and I think he proved it tonight. Jason. Hello. <laughs> what a win. I've seen two performances today from Galway clubs who at halftime, I think most people, most certainly most neutral observers would have gone, the other team has played better into the wind and they're going to have the wind and they're going to utilise it correctly and both Galway teams have won uh, and both Galway teams have been the better team in the second half playing into the wind. I think 
what you saw. I agree with everything that's been said. I thought there was no ambition from Leinster. Um, they have serious issues. Um, they will need Sexton back if they want to progress well. And I, you know, and but frankly, I don't care how Leinster do for the rest of the season as long as if we don't have to face them again. Um, I thought, I, I thought, I thought in the first half we were almost, we were. It was, it was a combination of both. Too much ambition, not knowing how to utilise the wind, and just nerves, nerves, and a little bit of like, like we, we. This is how it's like the last. This is how we have to play, but it's Leinster, and they kind of, they seem to relax in the second half, and there wasn't any. I mean, it was already changing by the time Robbie comes on, and by the time um, that, but that, that ten minute period when you've Caelan played at ten, Shane O'Leary at fifteen. Diamonds, blazes an out half. No, in, in the first half. His dad was a good out half. In the first half there was a breakdown in play and Danny Pullman was told by one of the guys here on the sideline it was it was a quick message and he ran straight to McGinty with the water he didn't go near anyone two three guys looking for water he just ran straight to McGinty and he had the word in his ear and you could see him pointing down the field and yet McGinty still didn't do it <laughs> he did one great kick he did one great kick but it, yeah. that was about ten minutes later you know he had at least three more chances before that William Pat Lamb had a line in the press conference after the bit where he was talking to us where he said uh, I asked the players what, what do you want to do do you want to keep the ball in hand or do you want to tackle <laughs> that's what he always says when, when people ask questions of why are we keeping the ball in hand for so long in your own 22 because he asks his players do they prefer that than tackling and they do and we saw that in the last 30 seconds when Connick said well, what every other team would do was clear this line so we said no we got three phases and we win the game so they kept the ball well, they have absolute belief in that. Mm. And talking about the fears that everybody had, I, I just I expected Leinster to wangle a penalty there somehow at the end and, and just steal it. But Nigel Owens didn't let us down. No, he didn't. Uh, there was a couple. Of, there was a lot of other things maybe going on that were, but uh, not helped by the fact that he couldn't talk to his TMO and he couldn't talk to the linesman because oh, the no, the TMO couldn't be heard. Rugby would be ruined. Well, he couldn't talk to his linesman either, so or assistant referees. It's an absolute farce. But we've talked about that before. That was just a stunning performance by Connacht, built on absolute guts and determination and belief in their system. They they believe. That's good. <laughs> this week's podcast brought to you by Anskill. By Anskill, yeah. Um, what more can you say? They've uh, they've slain a dragon. They've won their top of the table clash, and they can um, they can move on now to the next game. And they can also move on for the rest of the season. This has this has set them up for what they have to do for the rest of the games. This is why I, I top two. I said it a few weeks. Top two. Top two. Why not? Like yeah. we, the, the belief is there, the skill levels are there, you know, the, the passion. Like to be able to, you know, we started with Peter Robin in the centre, who just owned Ben Teo. owned yeah. the, the whole game until yeah. he until he went off. You know, I don't think Ben Teo broke the line. It was kind of like. Rob had a man-marking job. It was another yeah. sport. You know what I was like? Forget about your attacking play. You have one job, shut him down. He did. He did. And, and he went past him a couple of times. He certainly got over the game line when, he, when Teo was trying to tackle him. And, That's true. Yeah. You know, you had Niadi Alokan. You know, the guy was brilliant tonight. Yeah. You know, where and poor Danny Bullen was the, was, the, was the water boy. Like, you're looking at the amount of guys. You've got Connolly comes on and was just immense. You know, Owen McKeown playing yeah. at seven for the first time in God knows how long. You know. Finley Bealham comes on yeah, after a few minutes, plays 75 minutes, makes tackles all over the pitch, held his line in the scrum, did a great job, but he had to play the whole game essentially when Nathan White went off with a looked like nasty bit of concussion. Against against the two Irish loose heads. Alright, can we get some post-game audio? Uh, because the wind is picking up. 
car and the pitch is there it sounds like there is so things are going crazy around there but we're just going to see can we get a little bit more shelter because uh, I don't want the wind interfering with the podcast I spoke to Pat Lamb after the game and we'll hear from Dennis Buckley as well Alright Pat Lamb uh, first of all we're trying to work out where that ranks in Connacht victories but in terms of what they did at the very end to pull that out you must be so proud of your players Oh extremely proud I think um you know, I mean, rugby's more than a game. So I said to the boys, it's all about life. And, uh, you know, I think you build relationships, you go through things together and you build, create memories. And, uh, you know, when, when you think of all the things we have been through and, uh, um, you know, that's just another one of them. You know, it's just we've been there before and um, I think the this group work hard for each other. I said before the game, you know, I always say it all the time really about this game is not about individuals, it's about what we do and... And, you know, the weather came in and we said, look, everyone's up for it. It was such a big occasion, but we channel all of that into our structures, our systems, keep back in your skills, the mindset, don't go into your shell. And, you know, if the pass is on, put it. You know, sometimes we made some decisions, maybe they weren't right, but that's that's all part of the work on. But overall, um, you know, it's a tremendous uh, effort, you know. Like, there's a lot of people I know, there are probably people in the crowd too saying, kick it, kick it. But, you know, as I say to the boys, would you rather run or rather tackle? And uh, a lot of them prefer to run. And so just keep working off the ball. And, um, you know, we went through lots of periods of phases and into a strong win, and we just had to look after and put them under pressure. It's a classic question, but what did you say at halftime when you were 7-0 up? Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think the, the big one we going into the win was, you know, 7. Of course, we like more points, but that just emphasised more that we're going to have to look after the ball and we're going to keep the ball. And if we could do that uh, and, and deny that, and, and probably the big one was discipline because this, a penalty meant 60 metres down, up back to our, our end or, or point. You know, they, they got two of them, and um, but you know, generally it was uh, you know it was uh, uh, it was about playing our game and things that we train, and, and we know that you know because we train it, we can um, you know we work on the skills, and the guys can pull it off, and you know we're, we're the team that throws the most passes in every game. We average the most passes in this competition. Now it's easier to say pass, but if you don't work on it, and, and all these guys uh, are getting more and more comfortable on their skill level and. Uh, um, and, and, and their understanding to each other too and again it's not perfect but there's some, some great stuff and some pretty tough conditions I don't know if you've trained for Blade to be playing it out half or for a last minute situation where the lads look at the clock see there's 40 seconds left and decide not to kick from their own line and, and just play out the clock yeah I mean the, the beauty I suppose of this, of this team is um, it's the jersey you know you don't own it you, you know you, a lot of people have gone before it's your responsibility to know if you put whatever jersey on to know the role and um, I suppose the number on the jersey is really to start phases, um, to start the set piece. But after that, we're into our structures. And, you know, we weren't expecting, um, you know, once T went down after we'd already lost AJ McGinty um, and Peter Robb, uh, we'd sub Peter off. So, um, you know, I made the call to put Kalen into, into there because we weren't kicking the ball. We needed to play our, our phase play. And um, and Kalen knew that well. And then having both nines there, we could clear, clear the traffic around the... Uh, off the ruck better, having two of them there and, and getting to the edges. So, um, you know, he did a great job. You know, Shane O'Leary did a good job. And then I suppose the exciting thing, if you look at their back line, you know, Tino O'Halloran's the oldest in that starting back line and he's 25 and, you know, all the others are coming through. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of young, good guys coming through. Peter Robb was superb. You know, I think when he arrived here, it was pretty fair to say everyone thought he was a, a bashing machine and, you know, again, a lot of credit to the coaches have really worked on his passing, his, uh, his kicking and stuff so that he could add more to his game. And um, I thought he was uh, nice and composed and worked, worked tremendously well. And then, uh, again, 
Um, I also have to give a bit of a shout-out to the, the non-23. There's a lot of disappointed boys, and I knew there would be. Everyone wants to play there, but, they, but then they turned around and raised the whole training level. And um, we had a superb training week last week and this week, and particularly after we named the team, those boys got in and worked hard to make sure that we raised the standard and can put a good performance out there. Dennis Buckley, uh, it's been quite an emotional night for Connacht Rugby. That finish was incredible. You were on the bench. I probably made it even tougher to have to sit there and watch it, but what a game and what a win for, for Connacht. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge, but again, it just goes back to the to the hard work that we've put in, like starting in pre-season, and at the end of the day, we just went out there and we did our job and we performed to a level that we know we can perform, and uh, thankfully, we, we got the win, and now, and now it's time to... To, to look forward to next week which is another huge game but no look uh, in the change room there and stuff uh, everyone's delighted but uh, I think that the point that we're, we're trying to get across to each other in there and, and probably to the outside as well is that it's like that it, it, it's a win and, and it's great and it's a great win but it's nothing's done yet and now it's time to, to start looking forward to Ulster and hopefully get another great win there to, to look back on it there was more errors than there might have been in some of the, the games gone past from a conic point of view a couple of lineouts in the 22 you could have made life a lot easier on yourselves if you were able to convert that into possession in the 22 and maybe a score yeah like it, it, it's a derby game and, and it, it, it's quite tense out there as a, I'm sure you can see and yeah there, there was one or two mistakes and, and we probably left uh, left one or two things out there but but I suppose that Leinster might, might feel the same way as that so uh yeah, we, we made a few mistakes and, and we we, uh, we set the goal at the start of the week that we, we wanted to go out there and score four tries and get five points and uh, obviously we didn't do that and maybe the weather played a bit of a factor but we, we, we've done it before in the rain but uh, yeah, look, we, we didn't execute some plays but but in fairness we, we, we dug deep and uh, we ground out a good victory. We're looking on this as another level for Connacht because it's, it's game number, what, six in a row in the Pro 12. It was a big test of the top two and it does look like Connacht have stepped up to the plate once more. I know you take each game as it, as it comes, but this, this victory over Leinster, this is very, very significant in terms of what you've achieved here. Yeah, well, I suppose the way, the way kind of the outside is looking at it is that yeah, we went on a run of a few victories, but you know, it's, it's during the Six Nations, oh, they're missing some players. So this is kind of the first game after the Six Nations when Leinster, probably the, the, the strongest squad in, in the Pro 12, uh, have, has all their internationals back, uh, but Bar Sexton, but, but, but did everyone else back. And um, like, so that was the, it was kind of a litmus test for us that it, we weren't just winning when, uh, when teams are missing their players. Even though we were missing a few, it's everyone's back, we've everyone back. and it's one versus two and we wanted to go out and prove a point and I'm glad that we did I'm really curious to know like the mindset in those last few seconds it probably didn't surprise you that the lads didn't choose with 40 seconds to go to clear their lines and get themselves out of trouble after turning over that ball they immediately realised they had the chance to go through two three phases and kill the game did it surprise you that and, and what's the thinking behind that is that something that you could, would, would feel that you've been working on off the, on the training pitch as well yeah absolutely like it, it, it's a lot easier to attack uh, we, we put a lot of work into our breakdown and, and we trusted and we rely on it a lot and we know that we can put together some phases and, and keep possession for, for long periods so we, we looked at games that we've played earlier on this year where we were under pressure we kicked the ball away and we, we ended up def- defending for 10-15 phases plus so we, we said yeah we'll, 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 we'll back ourselves we'll trust our skills we do a lot of hard work on our skills and on our breakdown and we know that we can put phases together and, and if we have to go in our 22 for, for 10 plus phases uh, looking to break them then, then yeah that's no problem we're confident and we can, that we know that we can do that 60 turnaround to Ulster people will probably give you a bit of leeway now from the point of view if you lose to Ulster it's not going to completely derail your top two hopes now remind your top four hopes uh, what's the mindset going into that game I'm, I'm sure you don't want to switch off the intensity <laughs> no we certainly won't be thinking like that the great thing about Ulster about the game against Ulster this weekend is that we've never won up there 
So, uh, so a lot of lads want to go up there and win, and it's something that Connacht's never done. So it's a great opportunity for us to go and break another record. So we're all looking forward to that and definitely want to win it. Emotional scenes at the end. Yeah, very emotional. Like you, you put a lot of work into it, and like you see, see the crowd there today, and obviously the massive sellout, extra seats in and stuff, and how how the lads dug in for the last. 20, well, for how long they dug in for the last, for the second half, probably. And, uh, yeah, it, obviously very emotional when the final whistle went, but it's, it's just a reflection of, that, of, of the hard work that we've done, and I'm glad that it's starting to pay off for us. Dennis Buckley speaking to us afterwards. He's, he's getting more and more kind of relaxed in his chat. He's the first Connacht player to let slip that Connacht have already qualified for the Champions Cup. Well, he didn't, but he kind of said we're practically there. Barring, barring as he said, and I'll quote him, a series of unfortunate events. Which <laughs> 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 I thought was nice. Yeah, yeah. Lindley, what do you reckon? About Dennis Buckley? Yeah. I think he he is he's 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 maturing. He's probably one of the older statesmen, almost like in, in, in the team now. And he he reflects the Pat Lamb coaching ethos um, very much and that is that everyone has their job to do they all know what they're doing they all practice these moves they're very comfortable with ball in hand that's what they practice he said himself in the in in the press conference that they were very comfortable going through three four five six or seven phases no matter what it took because they knew they'd train it they practice it and they that's they were very comfortable doing that and I think you know that says a lot about the change in the skill level of Connacht um, in this past couple of years, probably with the help of people like Dave Ellis and Jimmy Duffy and, and all the coaches there and Andre Bell. So I think, as you know, Dennis is a reflection, I think, of that growing development and confidence and, and, and skill set. I'd say enjoy Jerry Turner's piece in the Times today with Matt Healy because it just yeah. uncovered a little bit more about the detail behind what they're doing and take one player, take an example of some of the things he did because sometimes we think it's all about the group and the collective in terms of what they do in the training but Pat can take the players aside and find individual things that they need to work on in Healy's case it was confidence. Yeah, certainly, and, and and also holding on to the ball, which he did much better in the second half than he did in the first. What was that about? <laughs> Every time he went into contact, they they just whatever way he was, I don't know. Maybe they were they he was were just forcing it a bit. I think. I think he, he might possibly was. He, he really feels as though he has to do so well against Leinster. You know that it's you know it's his old thing, and he wants to prove a point. Um, but having said that, I thought he was excellent in the second half. You know, he didn't have a whole hell of a lot to do, but he was still excellent. Nothing went by him defensively. He was superb. But then. I don't know. I don't know what the possession stats are. We must have owned the ball for about 75%. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, and that probably was, was, was why in the end they managed to grind out the result. Uh, you couldn't Seven points winning a rugby match. Yeah, it's old style. It's real old style. But you, they, there was, you couldn't really kick it into the wind. There was no point. I mean, Owen, Ian Madigan kept kicking, trying to clear his lines. The ball just went up in the air. It was, it was quite a strange thing to keep doing. We never attempted that. We were much more careful and much, had much more belief in our defensive pattern. They are a very good defensive side and I think that has maybe eaten into their ambition a bit. When you look at the type of rugby they used to play, um, they are a very good defensive side, yeah. but it seems to have taken away from them a bit. Nobody seems to want to take responsibility going forward, so there's a lot of just shoveling the ball on. Um, and that's what I think Henshaw has been brought in to do for them because when he came on tonight he was soon straightening the line and making the five, seven yards at the tackle line and they didn't have anybody to do that I don't want to knock Gary Ringrose because he's loads of talent but you suddenly realise how far behind Henshaw he is when it comes to that kind of stuff 
he's a kid and yeah. to be fair he did get a I think his hand got snapped back very badly early on uh, tackling Kieran Marmion so you know, he's, he's a youngster and that's that, I suppose he learned from Henshaw seemed like a bit of a nasty game and it seems like when we watch back the video there'll be a few bits and bobs in it there was a couple of instances I wouldn't say oh, there's nothing there you're going oh that's dreadful no. there's a couple of things you're thinking there's a couple of high shots it was, there were two but they were in the first 10 minutes there was a high tackle and there was a no arm tackle both from, from Leinster but I'm sure there, if Leinster fans are looking back we're listening and we're looking, there was other things I'm going to say now I thought Nige was pretty bad tonight I thought that was one of the worst displays. Maybe because he dropped down from his own high standards. I thought he let a lot go for both sides. Like I said, those two instances, I thought we were lucky to get away. I don't think Bundy kicked the ball out of Luke McGrath's hands about five minutes later. Um, there was a lot of stuff, some blatant crossing that was missed in the first, which could all, in the end, I think we get the right results. I don't know. We get, think we get the right score, but. I think there's an argument to be made with, with, with this was that so much was let go. The first penalty wasn't given until the 24th minute. I mean, that's insane in rugby of this intensity and on conditions like today. So maybe we read a little bit into that. But I wouldn't say nasty. I'd say ultra physical. And on that crossing one that happened just in front of us. Conic Leinster. Leinster. Leinster crossing. crossing. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And Peter Fitzgibbon was doing his damnedest to try and talk tonight and couldn't. Because the technology had gone, the technology had failed. And that's, it's pathetic. It's just, it's nonsense. That, that, that's an integral part of the game now. They're supposed to operate as a team. And at the start of the second half, they tried to fix it again. Oh, that would explain a lot of the times where he was like, is there a knock-on, is it not? I don't know, I better walk over and talk to him. They had to, because he, the, the, their, 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 their sets weren't working. So remember back in the day when they used to be able to kind of look over and talk to each other and communicate? Now, like, they have to walk... Yeah, 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 it's like, yeah, yeah. Put a flag up, end the story. Of course, they weren't flagging, crossing and offside back in those days either. The touch judges are much easier lives. But, yeah, leaving aside Nigel, leaving aside well, some of the... The, uh, you know, tight elements to the game. Leinster got the better of Connacht 13 0 in the RDS. Connacht have got a really important strike back. Lindley, this feels really important to our ambitions to go further in this competition than simply uh, top six. Yeah, I know where you're coming from. And it's funny, you asked me before this match, would this be a setback yes, if Connacht lost? And I said, no, it wouldn't be a setback because it's just one game and another four to go in their bid for Champions Cup rugby. But conversely, actually, <laughs> conversely, winning winning the match just seals in their mind and everyone's mind where they are and where they deserve to be for all the hard work they've put in. And look, we all know we love to beat Leinster here in the sports ground. We love to beat Leinster. Yeah, it's kind of good. It's kind of good time. And you do wonder with Leinster coming down here packed with internationals, whether they should take maybe a leaf out of Pat Lamb's philosophy book that they must play as a collective to get anywhere. And possibly they came back in from being out at, at the Six Nations for, you know, for probably most of the season at the stage. And they've come back in and they've expected to do the business. Unfortunately, they came up against a better collective. Yeah, I thought tonight was a certainly season defining that if we lost yeah we still had another game we still had a chance but it would have just put that seed of doubt into the mind that maybe we're not quite ready for this level whereas I think we are now but, but like I'm just, my mind's going to explode at the fine lines of how close Leinster came to winning and how negative we would have felt if they had won uh, no, actually, I, I disappointed. I think is more the word, not necessarily negative. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go with that as well. I said to William. I said to William about five minutes ago. Even if we lose this, we are oh, really? at this level. Okay. We are at this level because of how well we played. 
Yeah, but if you think about this, in this is, I mean, if we with the amount of mistakes we made in the first half in terms of possession, with the elements behind us, that is a game where it's traditional that we give it socks for sixty minutes and then we tire and they bring on all their internationals, and this is and we lose the game by a score or maybe six points, and that is what happens. That's what we're so used to, and it, that's why that's why both Lindy and Alan, right? It wouldn't have been devastating because that's what happens. I would have been. I would have felt it a little. You're you're a very emotional human being. Yeah. Um, so am I. Who is he? I yeah. Know, but you know. yeah, I know, I know, but he's from South Mayo, different type. Um, but in terms, but that's that's why Linney's absolutely right in terms of conversely how big it is in terms of win because that is not the result we normally get when we play give that much socks but make that many mistakes yeah. and in terms of, but like I said the defeat wouldn't have been devastating but the win is huge you were talking some nonsense halfway through there but you finished that well William <laughs> well if you look at this game last year uh, we had to go down to Thomond. And we all went down with reasonable expectations of a good, I'm not saying a win, and we had a truly dreadful oh, game no. performance. We should, we should post a link to that podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, just, just to clarify, this game last year was the card of away game. Oh. The game after the break? Yes. The card of a, No, the, the game 17. So this oh, is game right. 18. Yeah. Game so 18. William's right about the break. game after the 16th. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, if you look at the game number game number 17 last season or 18 last season was that game in Cardiff and then we played the next game against against Munster where we got those yeah but Munster came after the Six Nations yes they came after and we did have something to play for oh we did absolutely and and it didn't happen to see where they've moved on to and they've I think they've probably used performances like that and thought well that's what can go wrong and tonight there was just a grim determination there, which you don't often see in modern modern rugby. is a different animal. It's it's all about systems and things you've practiced and whiteboard stuff. There wasn't much of that tonight. This was just about they shall not pass. Lily, how do you just reconcile that the idea then that they should have Leinster should have won the game based on where they were with two minutes to go, but Connacht should win the game overall based on what they did. But sure, why should Leinster win the game? Well, well they have a scrum in the. Well, they've got a scrum in their position, but I mean, put the boot on the other foot and say if it was if it was Connacht and they lost possession. I know where you're coming from. Look, they had their opportunity. They had their opportunity to win it, but it just goes to show that the huge, huge effort that Connacht put, put in to turn it over, and rather than say you know Leinster lost it, what we're saying is actually Connacht won it, and so I think you need to turn it around there Yeah, I think it, uh, it comes back to Krasniarsk again and that oh, Everything <laughs> comes back I to Krasniarsk, but I know what you're saying, I know what you're saying. That, that level, as Lindy you mentioned it two or three times, that the, the whole getting through it and, okay. and making it work and doing it, like when you think about it we, we scored a bonus point try away to those guys Yeah, it's true. teams didn't In, in much better weather much conditions better weather and, different, and, and, and like they were playing uh, NSI were further away from home playing in Sochi than the French and the, and the English stage teams were and they won at home did you see that they're actually going through to the playoffs yes. this year and it's been requested yes they've been allowed to go through and the opposite, their, their opponent side in Krasniask Krasny what's the other team oh um, I know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. the other to Krasny they're NSA they're NSA the other team is FC Krasny yeah. there are four teams gone through there's two places I think there's two Italian teams and the Bucharest Rolls I think they're called um, but Krasny NSA have gone through NSA yes yeah NSA have gone through, and what they've actually requested is that all games from now on for both both the Krasniask teams, Krasniask or NSI, are played in Sochi. 
not not wow. in Kresnias because it's too much travel time. I'm, I'm starting to feel like a rock journalist from the 60s who missed Woodstock. That's what I feel really at this stage. <laughs> Can I just make one small? Yeah, point? so you've been trying to make a point yeah, for I'm my performance. One small point I'm left out like, is, is that if you look at it, who look at the two packs in that last scrum, yeah. whose was closer to their first choice? Theirs was. They had Toner, uh, McGrath, Ross, Heaslip, Van der Fleer, and we had made all our subs, and we had guys playing out of position, and yet they probably had six of their first choice pack, and I'd suggest if you can't win with six of your first choice pack in with two minutes to go, lads, you don't deserve to win any game. William Davis was talking to Shane Horgan from Sky Sports before this game. We run a bit of it, will we? Yeah. And then we'll go any other business and we'll, we'll yeah. wrap this up and we'll get home. Yeah. Home? Bloody pub. Pubs? <laughs> pub, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, pubs. Yeah. Shane Horgan. We're just about 90 minutes before kickoff here at the sports ground, and I'm with Shane Horgan, who's working for Sky Sports today. You're very welcome to Galway FM. Thanks a million. Um, Shane, did you ever foresee a situation where we would have Connacht playing Leinster in a top-of-the-table clash with Connacht actually being on top? Well, maybe not at this uh, point in the season. Um, Connacht generally have gotten off to good starts. I think they're sometimes effective when, um, historically, when um, they more established international providing sides in the competition are, are, are down those internationals but I think it's gone on to such a degree now with Connacht that we've seen that whether other teams are missing their internationals or if they've had their internationals playing, Connacht have been able to con- compete and uh, I don't think they've ever probably competed as, as effectively at this stage of the, as of this stage of the season and Pat Lamb is now the longest serving uh, coach in, in Irish provincial rugby. Are we seeing the benefits of having him here with his plan and structures in place? I think you're seeing the benefit of uh, cohesion, both from a managerial point of view, a coaching point of view, but also um, from a selection and a recruitment point of view. You've got a lot of the same players have been there for a number of years with Connacht, and uh, they've, uh, they're working together, they're interacting with each other on a weekly basis, it's very difficult for teams to have success or continue success if there's a churn of management or coaches or players and I think the stability that you've been seeing with Connacht over the last number of years has had a direct effect on the performance level um, this season in particular and uh, I, I think as long as they can continue to um, retain the players and they steer clear of injury I think they're con- you're going to continue to see um, the same level of performance for the rest of the season. Welcome back. If you missed it this week, hey, let's do a couple of couple of things now. A bit of housekeeping. First of all, we were on radio. Go BFM. We're like second captains, Alan. We have our own show. Well, they do it on television, but you know, we have our own show on old style mediums. Well, we've had one show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think you're more suited to radio than television. Oh, <laughs> Lindley. That's why we were going to bring you in, but no, no, no. Well, uh, well Packy did actually ring me just to say that myself and Alan had been regularly photographed on the Sky coverage, and <laughs> thankfully, um, we have faces for radio. Packy stranded in Mayo, South Mayo, which you were criticising earlier, his, his home county now, once he marries, is that the way it works? You, you become the home county of your wife, that's it. That's redefining road frontage to get an entire county. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, moving on, moving on. A couple of other bits of housekeeping. Follow us on Twitter. We need follows. At Craggy Rugby Pod. That helps. It just helps grow. We're looking possibly to get some sponsors. Not too big, but we just need to help fund this and make sure it keeps going long into the future. And secondly, 
Uh, we are uh, really need people when we're on iTunes it's really annoying but we don't understand the iTunes rankings they're a bit weird aren't they Alan some weeks we're up in the top 20 some weeks we're not even in the top 130 no one gets it look on everyone doesn't get it yeah I've been scouring Google trying to figure out how Apple do these things and nobody seems to know (laughs) so what all good podcasts do is ask people to rate their podcast because it really does seem to help you go up in the rankings lots of people rate us so we'd appreciate it if you you support the craggy cause get on give us a good rating and put us up there and is that it oh yeah we have a Facebook page that most lads didn't even know about uh, Craggy Rugby Podcast Facebook we have a question do we from Stephen Walton yeah let me just have a look there let me hold it a bit steady yeah tonight should give Joe a lot to think about seems Keane Healy is living off his reputation that's not a bad way to start the final part I think it might be true um, yeah, well, to be fair, he did he, in, in the run up to Detroit. He did seem to get a, he did seem to get a knock, and I don't think the scrum. I mean, given the, the amount of scrums, I don't think either side was either side was 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 definitively on top. There were there were mm. there were scrums. Some scrums were we were on top. Some scrums they were on top. We both stole one against the head, which is very unusual for a game. Um, I do think Finney Beatham got a got a got a got a penalty off him, which was huge. But he did take a knock. He was getting treatment. I was surprised he stayed on for as long as he did. Um, I think he is. I think there's a case. I think maybe his time may have passed for the national team. But given Joe's tendency to go for conservative selections, I wouldn't be overly surprised if we still see Keane possibly being in the squad again. But whether he goes on the South African tour, given how Dennis performed tonight, given that Finley, it, Finley is effectively number three in Ireland at the moment, you've got Crone and you've got Kilcoyne, and that's even before we start looking at the guys up north. Um, I think Keane may struggle to get many more caps. Interesting. All right. Well, look, we well, wish Keane well. The only, the only thing I'd say about that, he's, he's only 28 or 29. Like, you know, he's still, he could go through a very follow period and then come back again. People missed that. I, I, I offloaded that question from Lindley to Alan to William to Dave, and Dave took it. So, in fairness, it was a bit of a hospital pass, but he answered it well. Okay, so any other things to clear up? I would like to ask uh, quickly around the table, starting with you, Lindley. Shane O'Leary played well. If he ends up at out half next week, and maybe it's not a bad idea to put him in and give him some game time if McGinty's a bit banged up on the shoulder, did quite well when he came on. Well, he's he's been training with Connacht all season. It's it's another one of these, as Pat Lamb says, put the jersey on someone else. They train with us. They know the systems. So I have no problem with Shane O'Leary coming in. He knows exactly. He knows all the teammates. He trains with them every week. He's been playing with Gorwegians and playing with Gorwegians very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I don't have I don't have any issues with Shane O'Leary at all. And with the injuries, Conor McKeown might well be on the bench as well. So you're really going down five uh, down to your fifth choice, but it's just a sign of how this team continues to develop. The Blade, we mentioned him one more time, for 10 minutes he played it out half. Pat Lamb said in the wider press conference afterwards, could you listen, William, that one of the reasons he did that is he wanted to keep possession. He had the system set up. Having two scrum halves in that kind of role seemed to make sense to him to keep the ball moving, to keep keep the passing going. Well, the system is working. Bundy played number eight for one scrum. I know, what was that about? <laughs> yeah, that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And John, he picked it up well at the back and t- made a bit, a bit of an offload. It was, it was amazing. It was funny to see him digging it out. He was like, look at that, where's the ball? <laughs> it definitely has to be one of the first times he's done that. Anyways, have we got anything else to cover? Any other thoughts for yeah, the game? Before one, we do any thing. any other business, oh, any other okay. thoughts for the game? Well, just, just, just to read out what um, Nigel Owens has just tweeted out. He says, the players from Connacht and Leinster deserve huge credit for playing a great game of rugby today. It was a pleasure to referee it well done Nigel Owens we take back any yeah even when we said it was one of his worst games refereeing we were saying by his high standards well that's before I knew that he couldn't hear anything I mean that's that's probably the biggest issue to come out of this in terms of refereeing is that there's only X amount of referee can do if he can't get any information from his touches and maybe we, we need, do need to devolve because if they're able to spot I was watching a video where a foot went in touch from a line out and four, ten, twelve phases later 
the Scotland scored a draw against New Zealand and it was pulled all the way back. Now, the guy had had his flag out, but if the, if the Lions touch it, it's a feel of it. If they see something and they know the community is now, just take your flag out. It's not, it worked for 80, 90 years because it worked. Williams just nodded his head and that's enough. Any other business? I want everyone to step up. This is far too good a day not to have some any other business. Our big, little, big screen got smaller tonight. We had a van in front of our big screen, which wasn't working because our big screen's a little big screen. And it was only half the size of our big screen. So it was just as well there wasn't. I think that's why Nige gave that try. Because he'd, he'd looked around and realised he wasn't going to be able to say anything. He would have screen. to climb to the back of the extended terrace in with, yeah. the, cr- in the, yeah, yeah, in with yeah. the crowd to actually see what happened. Yeah. It's not small. It's not small. It's just, it's far, just away. far away. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Lily, any other visit? The crowd tonight. Wow. Super crowd, 7,300. And made it, I think, talking to Kieran Marmion afterwards, he actually said that the crowd got them over the line. And I actually asked him the question, are you actually aware, can you hear them when when you're so involved in playing? Oh, yes, we can hear them. And he said it makes a huge difference to us. Just gives us a huge lift and they really help us. Brilliant. You've done your any other business. I want to say to people, if you get a chance, if you're looking at your plans, if you can get a day off work, it's not easy. But get to Ravenhill for two reasons. One, like this team deserves support on the road. Sorry, Dave, he can't go, he can't get off work. But if you can. Secondly, secondly, it's one of the best venues to visit. They're the most welcoming people. It's just a fantastic venue. They've done a great job. We're looking forward to it. It's my favourite place to go and watch a rugby match. Me too. It's brilliant. I, I, I've been going up there for... 10 or 11 years now at this stage and I just love it they're, they're brilliant crack they're great fun it's a fantastic venue just worth the trip now that Dave's not going we have one seat in the car so Lindley might come with us we'll have to convince her to come up and down on the day trip uh, William any other business yeah a couple of things the pitch tonight held up really well a lot of rain overnight here it's a fantastic playing surface when you consider the shambles that Ulster and Glasgow were playing on last oh, night. Oh, that's shocking. That's, that's a disgrace to see professionals trying to play on that. Jamie Heaslip today did something uh, I've never seen before. He, he went out at the start to do his initial warm-up in his bare feet. And he ran around for a good five, six minutes just testing the ground in his bare feet before putting on a pair of flip-flops and then going back into the changing room. I don't know what all that was about, but at the end of the game, he came out... He stood in the dog track area for seven, eight minutes, signing autographs for kids, having photographs taken, chatting to people. He gets a lot of negative press at times, so he deserves a lot of praise for that. Look, it was just a great night, and let's get ready to welcome Munster here with the same crowd. Get your tickets, don't miss out. Get them early, Rob. Yeah, I'm on it, I'm on it. Um, I'm getting it now. I'm now getting. I'm, this is actually becoming a bit of an obsession of mine. If anybody spots Scottish a Scottish referees. referee in an international competition, can you let me know? And secondly, I don't think it's. A, I mean, there's been a couple of things we that we should we shouldn't let go with that. First of all, the tragic death of Kevin Moore, and I think that was a massive that was a massive event, and the fun to get his body home from Australia. I think we should all get behind that. And on a ten, we tweeted out. We put it on Facebook. And on a lighter note. And a positive note for Irish rugby, Helen O'Reilly, touch judge, first female touch judge in the Pro 12 last night, had a very good game. So Is she Scottish? No, she's, <laughs> she's, she's, she's many things. We're going to go... I definitely think we're going to see a female ref before we see a Scottish ref again. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, she did very well. She spotted the, the she spotted the stamp that I don't think Tommy O'Donnell realised he'd been stamped. Never mind the referee. <laughs> she saw it, put him with the foot. It's a good call. She had a very good game. Now, it was, 
relatively speaking, was an easy game to be a touchdown on because Zebra just didn't show up. But um, I don't think it's. I think it's only fair to say, well done to Helen, well done to the pro trial for bringing it in, yeah. and I'm amazed about how little fuss it seemed to cause. I know, and that's what's that's what's so special about it. Uh, the TMO last night was uh, a Scotsman. Oh, good spot. Uh, in, in the Glasgow uh, Ulster game, Neil Patterson. Oh, he's, who's a he's a ref. <laughs> no, he is now a TMO. He's no longer a ref. Does that mean he's downgraded or upgraded? Who the hell knows? I, I think actually it's, it's considered a bit of an upgrade. Yeah, I think it is. Cushy your job or something. Yeah. He's one of the three refs that's on the, on the Pro 12 Scottish ref list. All right, that's <laughs> it. We're going to Belfast next week. Stick with us. Remember, vote us up on the uh, on iTunes. We'd appreciate that. And there was one other thing. Yes, yeah, 6 o'clock next Thursday, Galway Bay FM. We'll be on again for our weekly preview show. Everyone else happy to go home? No, go to the club.